Hey. Hey, you. Yeah, don't look behind you. Yeah, I'm talking to you. Have you ever been frustrated trying to buy tickets online? Most sites make it complicated, and they try to sneak huge fees in at checkout. That's why you need to try SeatGeek. They've made it easier than ever to buy and sell sports and concert tickets. Now, I'm going up to Dallas next month, meaning July, to try to check out some Rangers games. And you'd better believe I'm going to use SeatGeek. I used it for my trip in Detroit I told you guys about. Um, I've been recommending it to people left and right all across the country, to be honest. A couple friends in different spots been recommending it. My buddy is in New York, and he's going up to visit his family a little bit for the summer. And he and his dad are already mapping out where they, what they're going to go see uh, in terms of Mets games with SeatGeek. Honestly, it's the only place I use now. I used to use other places, I'll freely admit. The one that frequently gets mentioned here, StubHub. Stopped using it. It's not It's not necessary at this point because uh, SeatGeek's taken all the work and hassle out of shopping for tickets. SeatGeek pulls all the tickets available on other sites into one place so you save time and never miss a deal. You can even set alerts for upcoming games and SeatGeek will let you know if the price falls. Even better, every ticket on SeatGeek is given a grade based on value so you can immediately find underpriced seats. And before you buy, you can use SeatGeek's detailed maps to see the view from your seat. Now, I remember when MLB.com first got this for their stadiums, and it was awesome. But I would, you know, be on the StubHub app or something, and then I'd have I buy the ticket or look at a section, then I go to the MLB site and have to kind of, you know, use their stadium view. Now it's all it's all in one with SeatGeek, and the grading is just color coding. So if you know a stoplight, green means go, red means halt. So if you see a red one in the section you want, maybe relax and try to find a green one because those are going to be the better price tickets uh, for their value. Best of all, SeatGeek is always honest and upfront about the price. Unlike StubHub, SeatGeek shows you the full ticket price from start to finish and never surprises you at the end with huge fees. Now, my listeners get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. To get that $20 rebate, all you have to do is download the free SeatGeek app, go to Settings, and click Add Promo Code. Enter the promo code SLEEPER, S-L-E-E-P-E-R. SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. It's really easy. Download the free SeatGeek app and enter promo code SLEEPER today. June 14th. We're coming to you a day early. I'm your host, Paul Spore, and Eno Saris is live from the Coliseum. Eno, how you doing? I'm doing good. Yeah, we, we had to do it this way because uh, tomorrow I'm, I'm flying to New York, and uh, I just didn't want to have this on the, uh, on the docket of things to do on the day you're getting on the plane. Yeah, it's it, it would have been tough. We'd have been squeezing it in, and you know, one little thing could set, could set it all off. So we went ahead took the opportunity to do it while you're while you're getting ready for game time tonight so if you hear some ambient noise from the yard i say congrats if you can hear it because that's that, that that's nice <laughs> to have remember when we did our one on the field at the arizona fall league i thought went over well so as long as you don't get hit by any any stray baseballs i think it'll be good to go it, it also means a, a little bit of a inside baseball podcast podcasting talk here I won't have my computer in front of me. Exactly. So like that day that we did the AFL thing, it'll be mostly off the cuff and um, keep that in the mind. raw. <laughs> keep that I might in get mind. something. 
I might get something wrong, you know, when it comes to like swing rates or, or, you know, stuff that I usually am talking about, I might get something wrong. But, yeah, it uh, might be a more generalities that he does well in this as opposed to he has a 14%. Uh, yeah, put that in exactly. mind. <laughs> We've got four substantial DL moves and then three guys to talk about. So let's dive into the news first here. Garrett Cole's going to head to the disabled list. This looked like a move that uh, that was coming either way. It seemed like they kind of wanted to delay it as long as possible before finally making the move and recalling Jamison Tyon. It's a right triceps muscle strain. You know, for Garrett Cole, is this something that could have been lingering all year that may have been contributing to his his lack of dominance? At no point did I think he was necessarily bad this year, and even even right now sits with a 277 ERA, uh, but a 132 WHIP. The strikeouts are down. It just kind of lacked that last year that we saw so often out of Garrett Cole last year. You think this was a lingering injury or something that just popped up? Uh, it's hard to, hard to know without being in that training room with him. But I would say that. Um... One thing popped up today in my research. I was doing uh, research on uh, for a piece that I'm doing about Stephen Wright, the knuckleballer, and about whether or not knuckleballers are more volatile from, from start to start. Oh, wow. And, That's crazy that you're doing that. Sorry to interrupt. I was like loosely trying to study the same thing in, in just like a makeshift quick way uh, uh-huh. to make a point about Stephen Wright. And I was just kind of looking at uh, the Dom disaster number that Baseball HQ puts out for dominant starts versus disasters and how frequently Dickey has done it. He's our real only our real analog for, for right lately. What have you found? Uh, I found that they weren't. You know, the, the way I defined it was runs, uh, runs allowed, basically. Runs allowed for nine innings uh, per start. Mm-hmm. And then I looked at the standard deviation in there. So basically, how wide of a spread did you have in your runs allowed per start? Um, and I found that uh, knuckleballers were actually had less variance. Uh, that doesn't mean that they're necessarily better. That's, that's going to be a wrinkle. Their, sure. their runs allowed per game was a little bit higher. Uh, than than uh, other types of starters. That sort of nitty-gritty I'll get into. But in terms of variance, uh, they were actually the least variable, variable group. Um, so, you know, I think that probably means a lot of uh, four earned runs, you know, type yes, of situation. absolutely. Uh, which is, doesn't really answer a question for us in terms of fantasy, except that um, Stephen Wright is no more, I don't think, any more... Uh, you know, he might be pitching above his head, and so therefore he might have some worse starts coming. But, but it's not, not because he's a knuckleballer. Knuckle. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, so in any case, uh, I ran that, and the most we had these numbers since 1974. The the most stable, the least volatile pitcher since 1974 was Garrett Cole. Wow. And I had somebody I said it on Twitter today, and somebody complained and said, well. You know, they were a Pittsburgh fan. They said, well, yeah, that's great, but we don't ever get a no-hit or anything from him. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, but it's like two or three runs every time. Every time. There. Like, that's so, it. what's the problem? Uh, but, you know, I, I do understand the problem because when we, especially for us in a fantasy sense, is that we're looking for a guy who's going to give us nine to ten strikeouts. Absolutely. You know, we're looking for an ace, and we don't necessarily want to pay uh, number two prices for a number two, which I think that's sort of what we're getting this year. Number two, we're either getting a number two or three from him. We pay and number one prices that, for a number two. 
Do you think people paid number one prices for him this year? Maybe. I he think was, a lot of right folks did. I, I was yeah. definitely a huge backer that said that you could go in there, and if you didn't get that that very first run, he could uh, yeah. uh, like seven or eight, he could be right there and be your one. So I contributed to it and did it myself. So no, absolutely. and I don't think I don't think we we're so far off. I mean, if you 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 paid one A prices, maybe. yes, or, yeah, one A. And or one B, whatever. But you, you you didn't play full retail price for an ace, and you're not you're not getting zero out of him. I mean, there were some people who paid full retail price for um, I don't want to say his name too loud because I'm on his field, but a certain A, um, and they're not getting anything. So uh, you know, I, I think that there's something to this. The other names on the list, just for fun, Bob Gibson uh, was number two. Yeah, it was good. You Darvish, who we'll talk about a little bit. Uh, was three, and um, I forget the rest of the list. But anyway, we'll be up to still a pretty interesting trio I, I would of say names. That, I would say, though, that this does have something to do with how we think of Cole, because we, we, we haven't gotten those those peak things, but we've gotten a lot of really good. Yes. So, um, you know, I, I, I'm not complaining. If I had, I don't actually, I didn't end up with a lot of shares, but it, I wouldn't be complaining too hard. It's, it's one of the better uh, bad outcomes uh, that there are. But right. then, uh, yeah, this the triceps, uh, you know, I guess triceps is not forearm when That's it doesn't nice, give us nice the same shiver. Did you, you know? uh, did you get a chance to see any of Tyon's first start? And, and how do you feel about him now that he gets a little bit of a leash to try out, uh, try a few starts for the, for the Pirates? You know, it reminded me a little bit of Barrios where you know he has that excellent uh curveball and it's a question of how quickly can he get to counts where he can throw that curveball and uh how repeatable is it going to be and how much can he command it really um but uh for the most part it looked really good i mean of course he's going to come up with a good fastball because the pirates are you know all about that two-seamer absolutely uh, so I think a two-seamer curve combo is a good place to start. It doesn't scream any platoon split problems. Uh, I didn't really see anything that uh, made me think that he was going to have a real problem with uh, command. So I guess the question then is just how plus is the curveball, and is it going to be something that's going to get him to eight or nine strikeouts per nine, or is he going to be more uh, of a you know two-three in fantasy? I, but I, uh, I could see sort of a, uh, a a Jordan Zimmerman statistical profile, yeah, which is yeah. not bad. Um, I think that that's yeah, that's the, a nice comp actually. That's not the high end either though. And remember Jordan Zimmerman's spike year. I could see a situation where Tyon maybe has one or two of those as opposed to the one that we've seen from Zimmerman. But that's kind of where I'm at with him in, in my thinking is that go in thinking that Jameson Tyon might might be on that sort of statistical profile. And, and kind of go from there, but I do really like him. I, I think I hope that that's seen. As He's got to get picked up in every league. I don't absolutely because even when um, even when uh, Cole is back, there's just too many holes in that rotation. Otherwise, absolutely. They, I think they were sort of waiting for the arbitration clock stuff, and uh, you know, I know I know they've sent him back down, but I think now it's they're, well, this, they're ready to this go. This kind of gives them the excuse though, too. They can say, listen, we had to. You know, yeah. we, we didn't have a situation where we could kind of play the play the numbers game there. We actually had to. We can't afford to kind of uh, dilly-dally over a handful of days for, for a couple mil when our season is in the balance. And I, I don't think it's overstating it to suggest that their season's a little bit in the balance with, After with, that. 
yeah. with the Cole Cervelli one-two punch uh, and of the devastation. Weekend, the weekend they had, too. The weekend was bad. A- absolutely. So, you know, perhaps overstating it a touch, but they needed to do something. And Tyon can definitely bridge the gap and be uh, a reasonable facsimile of the muted Cole version that we saw. And is there, yeah, if they're worried about a day or two, you know, we talk about skipping starts over the All-Star break. You know, they could easily send him down. Yep, right after starts. his last start, uh, which and, we've seen and, happen a lot. And, yeah, manipulate the service time that way because they'll they'll get a week for him. I mean, it, it's nasty to talk about. It doesn't really feel nice to talk about these sort of things. Because no, these it's, are human it's the reality beings. that we live in. Yeah, exactly. And it does impact fantasy because you have to know, you know, what, what are you going to be dealing with? So if you do hear about them sending him down again, I wouldn't panic and necessarily drop him right away in a redraft league because – you might want to wait for them to magically say, well, he threw his bullpen and uh, looks like he needs to start for Jeff Locke, who, you know, is terrible. That's <laughs> that, that, come that, down that, with it's a good point. <laughs> it, it's absolutely the truth. And again, I think we've seen with like Tillman and Gaussman in, in Baltimore, they've done it and kind of even been a little bit open about it. Almost just like, hey, we're just sending him down. Oh, no, they'll, they'll say the uh, we got to keep him on his regular rotation. Yeah, schedule, schedule. And, yeah. and, and so that's that's kind of the yeah. open faced way to do it. So, yeah, yeah go back out and get Jamison Tyon if, if he hasn't been scooped up already. I'm sure he was cut in a lot of leagues and I get it. Ten team or you're probably not holding him after an okay but not overly inspiring first start go back out and get them and then i say hold them for the duration as well because uh, i think the spots will open up it's a timing issue it wasn't a you didn't perform well enough issue wait so we should do a uh get with this get with that let's do it i feel like because there's a lot of names being thrown around with around tyon so let me just we'll just we'll do kind of a little ranking session you want me to hit you Uh, with some or or you got some off i've got some names uh paxton uh, Duffy, uh, Tyon. Do you have a name you can add to that list? Um, is Aaron Sanchez too good for them? <clears throat> no, it's just throw him in. Okay. Well, he's I my top, so I, maybe he is. I wouldn't, I wouldn't drop Aaron Sanchez, I don't think. Yeah, he's my automatic. So he is too good for them. What about, um, like a, like a, uh, like Josh Tomlin? I don't really like him, but he, he does continue uh, to perform. He's gone. He's gone for me. I, I just rather... All these guys have more strikeout upside, way more strikeout upside. So. That, that's why I tried to have Aaron Sanchez because I think he's, but he's just too good for them. Uh, right. I mean, yeah. If Joe I, Ross. I like Joe Ross. I love Joe Ross. I'm just saying, is he in this grouping here? I mean, it's not like he's shown us so much. Within a, he's not. Yeah, he's not gonna. He probably have the least uh, K9, but he's just in a good division for matchups. Uh, I keep I keep really coming up with guys slider. that I would automatically put first, so I'm I'm terrible at this because <laughs> it would well, still be let, Joe Ross. Let's, yeah, let's tackle uh, the guys I named them. Yeah, let's tackle let's the trio then. How how are you slotting those right now? Let me go. I'll give you mine first since you 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 posed it to me. I'm gonna go because I'm gonna focus on the talent. I'm actually gonna go with Paxton. Duffy and Tyon, because I think I'm going to go in the order that you listed them. I think Paxton and Duffy are really close, have had similar issues, finding consistency, staying healthy. So I don't really even have too much division between them. I just think that uh, we haven't even seen any growing pains from Tyon. What are the chances that he gets through without them? Give me the guys who've kind of gone through it a little bit and are making their evolution, hopefully, uh, from throwers into pitchers. So I'm going to go with the two lefties and leave Tyon third. That's interesting. Uh, to, to, to differentiate between the two lefties, I would offer this one thing. Um, 
are we sure that Paxton is going to start once Felix is back? That is a remarkably fair point. Um, what Any chance that they would uh, to keep his innings up just in case anything happened without sending him to the pen? Are you saying they'd send him back to AAA, or would they maybe super relieve him? Miley or Carnes or... Carnes I mean, probably is going anywhere. They I think they like him a lot. Um, Miley has been okay. What's that? It seems like it would be a lot to drop Miley. I mean, like he seems like Miley's been okay. See, and this is where the fantasy and the and the real kind of kind of mix a little bit. Because even though I look at a 5.28 ERA from Miley and it's it's garbage, you look at the skills and even the ERA indicators, which the team is definitely going to, especially a Jerry Depoto run team, and he definitely sees that this is still a major league pitcher. He hasn't yeah. been as good as he should be. Uh, the homers have been a little bit uh, in flux. He has two, three homer games. So it's isolated. His struggles are, are isolated to a handful of extremely bad starts. So I'm with you. I think that that's a fair question uh, to, to ask, and it's been, it's enough to convince me to, to, to do a flip. Because uh, Yeah, because otherwise Paxton and Duffy both have injury problems. They both yeah. have inconsistent uh, pass. In fact, if, if you were going to tell me both of them are going to be up with their major league teams the rest of the way, I'll take Paxton because he his bad times were better than Duffy's. His and that, that's why I wanted to lean toward it. The wrinkle you threw, I think, is apt and, and can't be ignored because where we would discard Miley right away, a major league team just isn't going to. Yeah. And, and we have to understand the value of somebody who can take the ball that regularly and, and post a sub-5 ERA. And he'll get down back below 5. I really believe that about yeah. Miley. I mean, in all likelihood – in all likelihood, Iwakuma's always hurt. Paxton's always hurt. Uh, Carnes is, usually has to take 15 days. Walk, Walker hasn't hasn't been the most healthy. Yeah, so I mean, in all likelihood, he can stay. But I, I just I wouldn't feel comfortable betting on that. That's fair. And, you know, there's actually a little part of me that wants to shove Ty on ahead of those two because of that. Because we have so much track record from Duffy, and we have so much track record from Paxton. By the way, and it's been so tantalizing and annoying. And I've What's As this? we are having this On the conversation, wire. Breaking news. A, a no-hitter alert pops up. It's only into uh, the fifth. Or uh-huh. It's only five done for Tyon, but it's five wow. no-hit innings with one walk and four strikeouts against the Mets. Uh, Jacob deGrom oh. is finishing up the sixth. God, here. that so, Mets lineup, though. Yes. No, no, it's not... so bad. I'm just saying, as you're making a pro <laughs> tie-on case, I felt like yeah. I, uh, I yeah, had no, no, to uh, no. breaking news yeah. you to, to strengthen your case, really. Well, I... It is one of those things where I think they're all pretty close. And so I, this is one of those times where sometimes I, don't, I know some people I don't think like this, but I say, you know what, take, who do you like? Because, because I, it's, I think these guys are fair, all though. talented young arms. Tyon gets a park in league, right? Uh, you know, actually, they all have decent home parks, but uh, Tyon gets league. Definitely. Uh, Tyon gets uh, health, probably. Uh, I don't know. He missed two years. Tommy John and a hernia. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So they, they all uh, have kind of health concerns. I, I would give nobody health, I think. Yeah, they, uh, they're all getting D's or worse. <laughs> right. That's why they might be available. <laughs> exactly. That's uh, why we're still talking about them as waiver wire candidates. But see, uh, track record of performance, I'd almost give it to Tyon, is what I'm saying. Because... When he was in, he was good. Absolutely. Oh, in the minor leagues, though. For the top in the 10. minor leagues, though. 
Well, yeah, that's a tough one. I think that, that that goes back to Paxton then because you look at his major league career, he's got 181 innings of a 308 ERA. And he's got the worst team situation probably. Yep. And and that and that's why <laughs> you break it down like this, and you got three guys who are tough to really discern between. And yeah, it, I understand what you're saying. People might think it's a cop out or whatever. But since I can't give you a a good statistical case, at that point, the the preferences of of the kind of player that you might like, uh, of a player profile or, or or what you're feeling, let that be your driver. I think I I don't think that that's there's a problem with that. Or if you're in a shallow enough league that all these guys are on the waiver wire and you're not talking about um, trading or, or, or that sort of thing and you're really looking at all three of these guys on your waiver wire, there is one thing we haven't mentioned is schedule. And you could easily treat it as a semi-streaming situation where you say, okay, next three starts for these guys. Who has the best next three starts? I'm going to look at that. I'm going to say, you know, this guy has the next best three starts. That means that he's going to be on my team. I'm giving him a look. And those other two are going to still be out there. Even if one of them goes to another team, that might there might still be a backup plan for me. So I'm going to go with Tyon because Cole's hurt. I know Tyon's going to get three starts. It's going to be the Phillies, the Braves, and you know the Marlins in Miami. Woo! I want that. Yeah. No, I, I think that that's that. This is what you have to do. You have to kind of keep going down each level. By the way, I understole undersold in my brain um, Duffy Duffy's history. Prior to this year, he does have. 443 innings of a 380 ERA with a 422 FIP, not too big of a distance between the two. Uh, up and down strikeout situation, decent uh, keeping the ball in the yards sort of deal with a .9 That's home a nine rate. That's so, what's that? Yeah, At the park helps there a little. Bit. Absolutely, but he's still playing there, so I think track record might actually go to Duffy because, like you said, Tyons was in the minors. So, yeah. it's a tough trio if they're available. And you've actually got two spots. I wouldn't be averse to picking up two of them, your two favorites, because that, that's a good trio that I think I think at least one of them is going to be high impact the rest of the summer, like all four. Yeah. I just wish I knew which one so that I could put them on all my teams. Let's try to clear my bias, and I think maybe Duffy's the guy. It's just you know he, you're, he's most likely to stay on his team. There's no they need him. You know, uh, health is about the same. Track record is. Is about the same. Deeper for him. He's got he's got 400 plus innings. They they've only got you know five seconds in the league for Tyon and 100 and something for for Paxton. So yeah, all right, I'll give it to Duffy. I like where your head's I, at. I, I just don't I just don't like it. I just don't like in the past. I've I think he has bad command, and I think this is a I'm a little bit worried that this is a, a small velocity boost that came from uh, pitching in the bullpen that's not going to stick, but. He has lost a little bit of velocity from starting, and it's not a lot, and still the best velocity of his career. So, you know, what do I know? I think you know a lot, and I think you know a lot <laughs> about uh, about being careful with these with these uh, DL, or excuse me, with these Tommy John guys. And this was the concern with 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 Darvish. It was less about performance, and it was more about another injury. The the easy comp that that I made most of the uh, the off season was that he could go Jose Fernandez on us, where when he's pitching. It, it's you, Darvish. It is. It is the elite performance that we've come, uh, we've grown accustomed to. But but the fact that the re-injury possibility and back on the DL is very high, and it's not something I wanted to pay a top 40 pitcher for. And and so far, I mean that that's already happened, right? Three starts, they look good. 287 ERA, 115 WHIP. Boom, he's back on the DL. This is playing out exactly like the Jose Fernandez thing. You think it's just major precaution? Or something that's going to be a, a, a substantial DL stint for Hugh Darvish. 
I mean, it's really not good because it's the kinetic chain is, you know, goes ends in the shoulder. Yep. Um, with with the career, uh, it's stiffness though. They didn't even put a a fancier word on it. So. Yeah. In know. fact, neck discomfort was was part of it too. Stiffness and neck discomfort. It's not quite. Uh, you know, tendonitis would be worse, and you know, strain would be the worst. Uh, so, uh, I'll. Uh, I feel like he's done this before. I, again, I don't have this stuff in front of me right now, but I feel like he's had little soreness here or there. He, he I feel certainly like has. Trapezius, he had a trapezius stiffness at one point. I don't even know if he went on the DL, skipped some starts, that sort of deal. So I, I think um, he might be all right. There's no dropping him. Uh, there's no trading him. It's, you know, you're, you, you made this bed, and you're going to lie in it. I think there's still a chance that he comes back for 70 innings of you know, 80 to 90 strikeouts and um, real push for you down the stretch. But what, what what about the case that this injury for Darvish is a positive for you as a fantasy owner, particularly if you're in a head-to-head league, because the chances now, are, if this isn't major and it is just kind of a rest thing, but it's a rest that needs to be a couple weeks, this can now get you to the finish line, whereas before he might have run up against the limit. And you know what? The team might be doing that a little bit too is because this team looks like it has um you know potential for the postseason they, they won the division without him last year so hell having him can only yeah. help and how much better would it be to to have a postseason series with the, with those two guys in all, in the uh, rotation oh, so. and darvish would just be so not such a nice by the way bunch. i just interviewed cole hamels and i'm in love with him he's so great oh I don't know when I'm going to write this piece because I'm going on the road, so I'll, I'll give you guys a taste real quick. Uh, I asked him about the added velocity he put on in 2010 because he put on, like, an extra two ticks, and, and I was like, what, what the hell? And he said uh, that he always had really bad back problems and couldn't lift in the minor leagues. And when he got to the major leagues, he got a uh, personal chiropractor that now travels with him that uh, adjusts him before and after games. Uh, does like massage and adjusts and has allowed him to to lift again. So he says uh, he, he says he's not quite Jake Arrieta, but he'd like to he'd like to he'd like to get buff like him. So uh, that was uh, the velocity bit. Uh, oh, and my favorite part. Oh God, I almost don't want to give it away. He switched to AJ Burnett's knuckle curve. That's why his curve got better. Oh wow. Yeah, and I was like, oh, yeah, A.J. Burnett, he, he says, hold it like this and throw the bleep out of it. And so, Cole Hamels is like, that's exactly what A.J. Burnett said to me. He did do something <laughs> good in Philly. Yeah. Oh, uh, that's right. They were on the same team. I made a joke about them not being on the same team, but they were on the same team for a second. Yeah. It, you, Veteran you, presence. Veteran, Veteran presence. presence. 37-year-old coming in, helping another 30-something-year-old. Uh, only put up a four-and-a-half ERA and just did not look – looked miserable throughout. Of course, he could be pitching his 10th no-hitter in a row, and he would still have that uh, that RDF that we discussed the other day. But AJ Burnett <laughs> just never looks particularly happy. And, hey, that's fine. Doesn't mean he isn't. I call uh, it mugshot chic. That's hilarious. That's exactly. <laughs> he, I have a weird, like, thing in my brain with with AJ Burnett, and this is from reading the Baseball Weekly ages ago, guys. I'm ancient compared to some of you listening, and um, this was a. Oh God, a, that makes me dead. It was a weekly. Uh, you're older than me. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, okay. I don't know why. Why I thought I thought we were like the same age. I don't know. I'm stupid. But 1979. Uh, 
weekly newspaper. So two years older. Uh, that would come out baseball only when they when they switched to f- baseball and football. I was devastated, but I learned of AJ Burnett's nipple rings. <laughs> As a teenager, and it was just my first kind of introduction to the idea of nipple rings, and I was fascinated by this, yes. and terrified by it because that. Seems... I did not know he had nipple rings. Yes, of course he has nipple rings. He absolutely did with the Marlins because uh, I, I can still. Oh my god! It was a little corner blurb, just kind of talking about his personality, and briefly mentions the nipple rings and. Oh god. Yeah, so that that. That's something that crosses my mind literally every time that I talk about AJ Burnett. That's that's where oh I'm at with that. Let, let's All right. let, let's stay out west here and talk with another DL stint. A little bit different than these other two guys, but Sean Manaya had been coming on a bit and really starting to show us some of the uh, some of the reasons that at least I was definitely interested to see what he could do this year and thought he could actually be more of an impact arm. He hadn't really quite found that success just yet. His first couple starts were okay. Uh, especially when you watch them, you could see the the the, the five to ten batter stretches of quality before it would, you know kind of kind of run into some trouble. But then he goes to Boston and gets absolutely thrashed by them and kind of tanks his bottom line um, for for at least another 10, 15 starts. Uh, no matter what you do, you're not going to work that off. But over his last six starts, he'd been kind of putting it together even more. 4.17 ERA, which is marred by two more five earned run outings both of those for Manaya had like one bad inning so kind of the the rookie struggles that you generally expect I thought he was progressing nicely I was really bummed to see him go on the disabled list what do you think Oakland's recourse is here and then uh, give us some of your thoughts on Manaya after seeing him now for a good handful of starts uh, you know, I talked to him recently about he switched the grip back to his old college grip, which is almost like a split finger Fosh type thing. Uh, and he got a couple extra inches of drop on his changeup, and he felt he could command it better. So I think that's a little part that has been doing better for him recently. Uh, but, you know, he says he struggles with the slider that it's too slow. Uh, he throws a slider that's like 78, and it is really slow for a slider. And he says everybody else has the problem that they uh, they throw it too fast and want more movement. I've got the problem where I've got too much movement and I want to throw it faster. So I told him about the Wharton slider, but uh, hopefully that wasn't why he hurt himself. Um. You know, did you break Shamanaya? You're going next level. Like, uh, Don't Carey just talks about them. You actually yeah, no, give I'm them actually terrible tips. <laughs> Just... In fact, I told Cole Hamels about the Horton slider today, too. So, Oh, God, oh let God. me go trade my Cole Hamels shares <laughs> really fast. No, no. so I, I would say this. Um, I saw a great quote today from Francisco Lindor, uh, which it's a little bit of a reach here. But So Francisco Lindor told Jordan Bastion that he had a little bit of trouble um, focusing in the minor leagues because he didn't want to be in the minor leagues. And so, you know, he had to work Wait, who, with coaches. Who said this? I'm sorry. Francisco Lindor. Oh, you know what? By the way, before you continue, this was speculated upon. And I think it's always speculated upon with a pitcher but or with a hitter, uh, a prospect, I should say, in the minors when, when they have kind of proven it. But this, this exact thing, I remember it being discussed about Lindor. And you never know how much to take that seriously. So it's interesting that he said that. Continue, please. Yeah. And then he so then he, he had to actually meet with his AAA coaches to – find out ways to recenter himself and to become in the moment again and to, to really focus. So, but he said that now that he's in the big leagues, it's like, this is what everybody wants to play for this. All these fans here, it matters. Every game matters. Every game could put us into the postseason. 
And so th I therefore have to do every single thing I can do to, to be better and to do, you know, to play at my, at my best. So th that's, that's, that's one thing. Another thing that I talk to guys about is like in spring training when they're like, and I talked to pitchers about this and Doolittle was talking about this in spring training, nobody is at a hundred percent adrenaline and over at driveline baseball, they do this thing called a, the, the pull downs, which are these crow hops where they're actually throwing they're almost like the Aaron Hicks throw, uh, crow hop where mm -hmm. they're actually sort of running and crow hopping and throwing as hard as they can. And people see that on the internet and they go, why would you do that? That seems crazy. Sean Doolittle said, why would you do that? That seems crazy. And I said, because you can't get to peak adrenaline during practice. You can't get the feeling of throwing on the major league mound in practice. And so you spend all off season, not ever getting to peak levels of stress on your arm. Mm -hmm. So by doing this, we mimic peak levels of stress. We do it for a little bit of time, only a couple throws or whatever at the end of the thing. And then you rest just like any other, like resting after a start and you don't do it again for five days. But what we're doing is mimicking, you know, that peak, that peak levels of stress. So the reason I bring both these things up is Sean Manaya was doing pretty good in the minor leagues. He did not have to try his hardest, I would say. And then he gets to the big leagues, struggles a little bit, and maybe tries his hardest. Ah, so, so ramped up, maybe yeah. more a bigger level than you would normally yeah. think just because the AAA was kind of coming a little bit easy to him this second time around. Yeah, and the, the other thing that was he was struggling with was predictability, so he's going to fastballs when he's behind. So I think he was throwing more fastballs in the major leagues than he, than he was in the minor leagues too. So you could, you could see, and I'm this is speculating, but it's at least informed speculating when you're talking about you know, focus, adrenaline, show, uh, struggles, you know, lots of fastballs, uh, higher velocity. Uh, you could see this sort of leading to the situation. I don't know what it means long term, and I don't, it might not mean anything. I saw him today just getting regular treatment. It doesn't seem like, you know, he's, uh, he hasn't left to go see James Andrews or anything, you know? So, you know, it's not uh, code red or anything. So maybe it's just, his arms sort of responding to the higher levels of stress that the major leagues provide. I guess that's, that's my, my speculation on it, I guess. Okay. That may, that makes sense. Um, again, as an informed guess, I, I kind of, yeah. I, I kind of like it. Doesn't mean it's, it's written in stone, but we're trying to figure out, you know, kind of what, what might've gone sideways here. How long do you think the injury is going to be for, for Shamanaya? <clears throat> I don't know, man. They're going to, they are going to take it easy because, I don't think they're in such a competitive mode right now. Exactly. Yeah, they might th that they need to really push it. They want to keep him. Um, I, I, you know, I do think that Oakland would probably feel okay about uh, this year that they that they are building towards something and getting a little better. Um, but uh, I don't think that they necessarily need to uh, to run him back out there. So I, I would, I'd bet you he takes a month off. I, I'm I'm remiss for not mentioning the uh, the fact that it, it was the dreaded forearm strain. With, oh, yeah, with, yeah. with Sean and I, I never mentioned the exact injury there. So uh, that is what he's dealing with. I could see it being a little bit uh, of a slow go as well for the same reasons that you outline, in which case drop him from all mixed leagues probably, um, unless you have the DL spots where it, it doesn't I mean, he really. He was really only owned in dynasty leagues at this point, right? I mean, he's not performing well enough to be in redraft leagues unless it's I really big I guarantee one. he's in some deep mix, like, yeah. like 15 plus teams just because prospect hounds are always yeah. keeping those, those guys. And so that he was reserved. It's not a, it's not a starter. So if you can DL him and, and you're in one of those leagues that doesn't charge for DL spots and you just kind of have them, 
that's fine. Keep him hanging around on a DL spot. But any sort of pinch, Shamanai is kind of a first-to-go situation. Yeah, and that, that, that slider is not that good. It's it, I think he's really... Your slider's might, not that good. Oh, it's definitely not. It's terrible. But I, I think he... I think he might struggle until he, he can pump that thing up there at 85 or something, throw some sort of cutter. I think he may need to uh, rethink that because I was listening to A.J. Hinch. Hinch? Yes. Uh, Astros? Yes. I was listening to A.J. Hinch give uh, his informal read on John Mania before they faced him, and he said he's got a slurve. He loses command of it late in the game. So, And he was using slurve in a sort of denigrating sense. So... Um, yeah, I think people, I think the breaking ball is not quite there yet. I think that that's a, a fair assessment. By the way, I think I've heard a good handful, maybe maybe seven to ten, of these little scouting reports from A.J. Hinch, and they're always excellent. I just want a <laughs> pipeline into him to hear everything yeah. that he, like, the, that dude is, that dude's on it, man. He really yeah. is. I've been impressed with A.J. Hinch uh, in his sound bites. One last DL stand and a few guys to talk about off the cuff. Um, Jason and I talked about Jonathan Papelbon and the fact that he was struggling a bit uh, a couple weeks ago, just just not looking like that lockdown that he was as recently as last year. For, for as much as I can't stand Jonathan Papelbon, I can't deny that he's been pitching very well throughout his career up until this year. We've seen a, a su- substantial downturn. The swinging strike rate's way down. The strikeout rate's way down. The walk rate's way up. The ground ball rate is, is way down. Fortunately for him, the homers have not gone way up as a result, uh, but it just hasn't been that great for Jonathan Papelbon. Now he hits the DL. Sean Kelly was a name that we, we advised saves speculators to get in on um, at that time on June 5th. Obviously, now you really got to try to get in on him because he's going to assume the role. What do you got on, on Papelbon's intercostal strain, and do you think this is a role that Kelly could hold, or is the veteran ties that Dusty Baker keeps to to his guys going to be too tight once Papelbon comes back? Oh, I, I think Papelbon will get it when he comes back. I just think it'll take a long time. Look at what Boxberger, uh, how long Boxberger was out. And then lasted um, four seconds when he came back, right? And, yeah, and right in the same spot. I mean, it, surgery is, is the last resort. So if you hear surgery for Papelbon, that's really, really bad news. But it, right now it's just a strain. It is in a very important area for pitchers. In fact, driveline baseball said that the trunk trunk rotation is one of the number one factors for fastball velocity. So, you know, yeah. So, I mean, if you think about, you know, what it takes to throw a pitch hard, it's rotating your body fast. You know? mm-hmm. um, so he can't rotate his body fast. It's going to be really bad news for him. They're going to have to treat him with kid gloves. I'd be the most thing I'd be worried about. I know what you're going to say. And I might need to rely on you with um, uh, in-house candidates. I love Sean Kelly. They weren't pitching him often. They were pitching him for like one-out stints early in the season. Yeah, I, I know exactly him. where you're going. You're they worried they're going to make a trade. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that, that that's 100. So you got to be Andrew, careful on Andrew Kelly. Andrew Miller was, a, was, a, was already uh, being thrown around. Absolutely. Any uh, New York uh, guy really – I um, rolled as Chapman, yeah. That guy, that um, guy's all right. He has a Dusty Baker tie. To your point <laughs> about Kelly, he hasn't topped 53 innings ever. And, so and they were maybe they were just being careful innings-wise. I, I mean, maybe there's something where they. I, I, why has he never done it? Because okay, the first two years that he kind of emerged, 20, 2013, 2014, with the Yankees. First off, I'm surprised they didn't run 
uh, if they're only going to pitch in 53 innings, that should tell you something because uh, they'll pitch any guy like 94 innings uh, no matter what. They love to burn out their relievers. So that's a little <laughs> bit surprising. But then San Diego only gave him 51. And this is when he's dominant. And then uh, so far this year, he's got 23 in 27 outings. So I don't know if there is something with him that he's seen as more of a rookie type uh, insofar as you can be a rookie. But I would not I, – I'm – very comfortable going out and putting some fab on this for these short-term saves. But I, I knew exactly where you are going because I completely agree that they're a major candidate to just go out and scoop somebody off the trade market who is a better closer than not only Kelly but also Papelbon. Yeah, at this point, for sure. Um, and they've done it before. <laughs> they did it before. Yeah, so. Papelbon was that guy. Let me, ask you, let me ask you, since you have a computer in front of you, I do. what's Blake training up to? Blake training because he has uh he has a sinker almost on the level with and, dyson and britain and major major velo right let me, yeah. let me give some particulars on kelly just just while we're here though first because oh, he does well, have an 18 percent swinging strike rate and 38 oh, yeah. uh strike i like out. kelly so he's good but I, I'm, I'm with you trinan was a guy i liked last year in that one dollar uh super deep nl reliever yeah. type uh-oh uh obviously garcia just ran into the wall there and Jeez. and might have might have really hurt his arm. Uh, sorry about that. Uh, 26% strikeout rate, career high for Trinan. Doesn't have yeah. a corresponding swinging strike rate to go with it. Boost. How about a hold? Boost. How about a holds? On holds, he's got five. Kelly has five. Yeah, Kelly's Kelly's the guy now. He, I mean, Kelly's the guy now. I, I would uh, in the NL onlys if Trinan's out there, I would get him. I think he's next in line. I agree and, that he's uh, next in line. And he's fun, and Kelly gets hurt, like you said. Otherwise, uh, my comp for Kelly is um, Luke Gregerson with velocity. That's he's a, a great call. He's got, like, three sliders, and uh, and he's got more velocity. But uh, where Luke Gregerson stayed healthier, Kelly's had that problem. So there's, there's still actually enough season left where you could get some saves from Kelly Train and can get some saves, and then, and then either Papelbon or the next guy. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So go out, pay for them what you need, but do not. For me, yeah, I, I, Kelly, I thought you can't go over like eleven bucks, like eleven percent, because because you can't. Like, like I went pretty hardcore on Will Harris. I was, yeah, town. we are we are on the same wavelength today because I was literally going to bring up Will Harris and say I felt more confident that he's more of a long term option. Yeah, yeah, I, I went to like. I think I did 31% on Will Harrison Tout. Yeah. Because it, it gave me three closers, and, you know, if I'm going to get anywhere, I'm going to do out of points and saves, and that, that's what I needed to do. So uh, uh, I went for it. I wouldn't do the same thing for Kelly. I like him, but I, I'd be more 11 to 13 if you yep. really need saves, maybe 16%. But uh, yeah, it, that's it, about it. If you're desperate, even for the short-term ones, you can go higher. You know your situation. But if you're just generally going out there trying to get the next closer – I agree with you, 11 to 13 bucks. And if it doesn't get it, it doesn't get it because it's not going to be a long-term situation. All right, Dino, we got yeah. three other guys to talk about here, and I'm really interested in what you got on um, a guy who was completely off my radar at this point. I wasn't even sure. You know, I figured he might be one of these guys that throughout the rest of his 20s comes up, knocks around for 50, 60 games here at a time. Robbie Grossman, uh, he's been doing, you know, He's been a guy who's gotten a few chances. He's been okay a couple of times, about average. But last year, only 24 games, couldn't really get off the ground. I'm not sure if there was an injury piece to go with it. I'm looking at his uh, minor league. Now, he spent most of the year in AAA, so I just think it was a tough season for Grossman. 
this year so far, 97 plate appearances, and he's out of his mind. And, and it's a power surge at age 26, five homers in these 97 plate appearances. Are there any differences here uh, that, that we can go off of and, and, and kind of believe in this? Or is this just the hottest, you know, 25 games of Robbie Grossman's career? But I actually talked to him in Houston mostly because he kept sh- showing up on uh, Carson Sestouli's Fringe 5 list. <laughs> Love and that list, a, by the way. Hey, hey, give me Mookie Betts. No, no, that I, I'm not mocking it in 1%. <laughs> For fantasy, in today's game where it's so hard to get an edge, particularly on prospects, and I'm behind the curve because everyone else seems to, to, to do it better than me, that list will give you guys he was very high on Corey Kluber as well if you'll remember yeah. um, we, we, we seem to fight over the over the crown of Kluberness but he was ahead of ahead of the curve really if I'm being 100% honest I discovered Kluber middle of that first season where he started to do some stuff when he was already in the majors so uh, yeah the fringe five is great Grossman was on there what, what do we got then what'd you hear from him so in Houston he didn't really impress me uh, with his mental acumen but um this time he was a little bit different he had thought things over a little bit more and he changed so he said he went back to his old swing that he used to have and said his load has changed he thinks it feels more athletic and fluid and it allows him to be more aggressive which i think is really important and now i'm not looking at the swing right so i don't know if this is true but he said he, he was being more aggressive recently. I, I bet his swing rates are still like 40%. Uh, and his reach rates are probably 18 19%. That's part of his skill set. That's part of his strengths. But at the same time, I think his breakout season is going to come with the, the biggest zone swing percentage of his career. So I, I'd like to see you know more zone swing percentage. I'd like to see more aggressiveness. And I think this power might have let him be more aggressive might let him stay in the lineup longer and it might let him feel more confident and be more aggressive, which I think, you know, there's an ideal swing rate for everybody. And I think he was a little bit low, almost like that Aaron Hicks situation mm-hmm. where he was taking balls in the strike zone, striking out more than a swing strike rate said he should. And that's, that's Robbie Grossman's problem so far is not showing the power that he was supposed to show and striking out more than his swing strike rate said he should. He could solve both those problems with the swing change and a more aggressive mindset. So I'm definitely all over him. AL onlys. Uh, I've got him in my 20-teamer and my 18-teamer. I got him on my 12-team score sheet. Uh, I've how been, quickly, I've been all over him. how soon are you looking at 15-team mixer? 15-5 uh, OF. I mean, we could probably play uh, get with this, get with that. That's, a, that's actually a great it. idea. By the way, we, we're going to be working on, on, on a little sounder for it. Don't worry. Okay, good. Don't freaking worry, y'all. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm not a very good rapper. No, uh, actually, you're great, but don't worry about it. Um, <laughs> I'll shoot a little high early because maybe maybe this guy's already done too much to, to put himself way ahead. What about Trace Thompson, a guy we, we, we've discussed frequently, actually? Talked to Trace Thompson, too, um, and he said that uh, his was uh, aggression as well and that he was hunting fastballs and swinging earlier in the count. Okay. Which I, I think I like that. I yes. think I like that. I like that because I think his skill set is uh, a little bit like the Josh Hamilton skill set where he could swing his way into power before he gets to uh, strikeouts. Um, and I'm talking about like young, good Josh Hamilton, not broken old Josh Hamilton. So um, I, I think that could help. Uh, he, his offseason hitting buddy is Nolan Arenado. 
which oh. uh, I don't think is a bad thing. Ever? So nope. Yeah, nope. Nope. and he says Nolan Arenado texts him about his swing, so um, I think that's probably a good thing. So I'm going to take Tres Thompson. It looks like he's really – I mean, they, they released Carl Crawford. Um, Howie Kendrick is, is still there, but you could have a Howie Kendrick uh, platoon with Scott Van Slyke, and Trace Thompson would still have a job. Andre Ethier, when he comes back, I don't know. We'll see. But um, there's still still a lot of time for Trace Thompson to, to play baseball. So Absolutely. I'm gonna take him. I, I like his. I also like his his toolsiness better. Okay. His athleticism. I think he's Robbie's. Robbie's making the most of what he's got. I think. Uh, Jose Ramirez from Cleveland, or or uh, or Robbie Grossman. Mm. That's closer. That's that's nice. Uh, Jose Ramirez is one of the few MI eligible guys. Uh, there's probably about six of them that uh, has a 270 average, projected for a 270 average and more than 10 steals. Yep. So uh, if there's only six of those guys, rest of season, I'm going to take Jose Ramirez on the middle infield. Yeah, that, that MI eligibility really yeah. helps. Outfield only, I might go with Grossman because I think there's a some power speed potential there and maybe even potential for a better batting average. Definitely better on base percentage. You've actually got second, third, short, and outfield with Ramirez, which definitely gives yeah. you an edge if the statistical profiles are anywhere near each other. Um, what about another division? By the way, breaking news. Tyon's uh, no-hitter was broken up. Seven innings, one hit, one walk, four strikeouts. TBD if he's coming back. I actually don't have a pitch count here on the at-bat app. For some reason, it apparently doesn't update those in game uh but one more name here let's see what about this is a little bit different profile so i'm, I'm uh, this is like a, a a cross race comp this is a cross skill set comp because randall gritchick is really power only grossman we're expecting maybe a little bit of a power breakout but it would come with with a little bit a few more features in the profile so who do you like between gritchick and, and grossman you know i think grossman could have like a 340 lbp See that'd be huge. You know, and Gritchick's gonna have a 300. That, if that, he's at 281 right now. You better hustle. Yeah. yeah so that's even in, in our batting average leagues. That's more times on base, and even as bad as the Twins' offense is, you know. Hey, they're actually uh, halfway decent against one side. I don't know. I think it's lefties, but either way. And Gross is a switch hitter, so. You know, theoretically, you could have the platoon advantage to both sides. So. What about his speed? Will Grossman's speed come back into the picture? He's 0 for 2 so far this year, but he's got a lot of double digits. And in the minors, he's got 131 stolen bases in 753 games. What I do know is I think if any team would let him steal his way to, like, four stolen bases against 10 caught stealings, I think it would be the Twins. I was going to say, he's a nightmare. I just saw that. <laughs> an absolute nightmare of a runner. He's 15 for 27 in his major league career. Okay, maybe not on the speed then. Maybe it's more of a... But but not zero. Like, no, I do no, no. think he will. Something. I think he'll get two or three. Something. And um, that, I brought it up because Gritchick does that, too. He gets you a, a, little, a little nibble. Yeah. A little nibble. Well, Ah, I don't know. It's that's the closest one you come up with. Okay. I think I I might go with Grossman. I think I'd probably still go with Grichik, but um, neither one of them is is quite. Uh, I, I actually they're both. You're talking 15 team bench. If you're really tired of Grichik, just go for Grossman and see if you catch lightning in a bottle. Did we did we we as a fantasy baseball community greatly overrate Randall Grichik coming into the year? Then he was a top 40 outfielder. 
He hits the ball really hard. I, I, I fell for him. He was a stat cast darling. Um, I think he still kind of hits the ball really hard. He it's does. Just that even though he's tried his hardest to improve the other parts of his game, he can't. He has a bit, though. Uh, the strikeout yeah, rate's down from 31 to 24. Walk rate up from 6 to 8. But the swinging strike rate is like a percent difference. So I could see the, the strikeout and rate. It's, and it's also not helped his power game. <laughs> exactly. Right? Like nothing, in fact, the power game's gotten worse this year. Yeah. Um, he, cut, he cut the ISO substantially. The batting average is a nightmare. Some people should just... I don't know. I, it's really hard for me. Because Josh Reddick looked like Randall Gritchick at one time. That's Do you remember that? Really, really strong comparison. And then now, now Josh Reddick looks like. I mean, he wants to be Chipper Jones, but that's he what evolved. He but he, yeah, he looks totally different. He but evolved. He's making and all this contact. And... It gives you hope that players can evolve and change, but sometimes they don't necessarily have to, right? Maybe yeah. there's a certain style that is going to be more conducive to. Uh, yeah, I like Gritchick Brandon Phillips. Yeah, Brandon Phillips may not, not have been any better if he'd taken a bunch of pitches. He might have just struck out a ton more. And that, yeah, that's the thing. When you got to watch a guy, some because I, I love walks as much as the next guy, and I will complain about OBPs and walk rates. But sometimes you watch a certain guy, and you're like that's not going to work for him. Maybe he could do it. <laughs> Maybe you know it, it would improve his OBP. Sure, but would you get the rest of the stuff? Would he be comfortable in that in that role? I don't know. Sometimes you got to let the players be themselves. Not every player has to be the same. Um, yeah. You are still building a team with puzzle pieces. All right, let's move on to, to one more guy here um, because I really I really want to get your thoughts on this guy. I got to know if he's, he's worth anything. We didn't we didn't end up talking about him during the Sean Mania bit because even though that injury probably extends Daniel Mengden's leash, um, I'm desperately trying to remember what trade he was brought over in, but I can't remember his home. Oh, Houston. Houston. It was the Scott Casimir deal. It was Jacob Nottingham. Wow. Mengden, Mengden last year. Uh, Chris Davis. What's that? Try, trying to map all the trades of the A's is ridiculous. Well, that, yeah, that's the tough part. Now uh, Nottingham is Chris Davis. I kept having Reds in my head, but uh, the Reds are who he faced in his in his MLB debut. And he wasn't too bad. Five and two-thirds, six hits, two runs, four walks, hey, five strikeouts, we, and a homer. Can we give Billy Bean some love here? Can you imagine trading, uh, turning three months of Scott Casimir into Chris Davis and a viable young starting pitcher? Uh, that's pretty good. Well, here's the thing. He's got the hugest black mark on his ledger possible. I know. And he's going to have – he's not going to be able to work it off even though he should because if you still it's add up it, – It's trendy to, to, to hate on him for that Donaldson trade. Exactly. But. And it's understandable, uh, especially because they don't still have Brett Laurie. But, again, look at these trades that you're talking about. And those two trades together, moving, flipping Nottingham over for Chris Davis. Now you have a starting power outfielder and a and a passable starter, like you said. For no, for and I think Casper. actually Magnus is pretty interesting. He added velocity. I didn't get to talk to him about it, but he added velocity this year. Okay. Um, there were some overblown reports. There was he's sitting 96 and sitting 98, and he comes out and he sits like 93 and a half. But you know, 93 and a half, 94 is is pretty good, uh, even for a righty. Um, that's that's pretty good velocity. So you know, nice velocity, really funky over the top mechanics. Um, got, uh, was it the Raleigh Fingers mustache? <laughs> um, I think he's gonna have a good run where people won't be able to pick up his mechanics. And um, I don't know what's gonna happen in the second round. I need a little bit more data, and and and, and I really want to see him a little bit more. Uh, but I think his first time through the league is gonna go well, actually. 
because there's not a lot of people that have he's got he's got like a really like if you watch him he's he rocks back and forth and he's got his arms way up in the air and uh it's pretty funky i think people are gonna have a hard time the first time they see him so uh, that's really interesting how I'll take him in the short term in what kind of format what can we get like I think he's streamer all the way up to ten, twelve. Ooh, that's super interesting. Like Magnet at home, uh, nine three and a half with a good changeup and a good slider. Weird movement because over the top guys have different kinds of movement. We talked about this with Godley when Godley had like good start last Absolutely. year in Arizona. Uh, I think he's better than Godley because he's not as extreme up top and he's got a little bit more movement side to side. His changeup has above average movement, even like taking into account. Not, actually not taking into account his over the overhand uh, like his overhand arm slot so uh, I think he's I think he's got three legit pitches and good velocity and his command wasn't terrible so you know and then on top of that these quirks like I would take him at home against almost anybody right now I like and that. Uh, in almost any league in terms of picking him up it's a little bit that's you're that's like you're not in a streaming situation you're dropping a real guy like I think he's below those guys we talked about earlier like if I need to hold a guy and own him, then I'd rather have probably the Duffy Paxton tie-on group. But I think I think Magnus, you know, I think he's uh, really interesting. I think he's he's probably right there with with tie-on. I mean, four strikeouts today uh, in six innings for tie-on. You know, yeah, uh, it's not it's not quite uh, it's not quite blowing him away. So. No, 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 no. I think I think you make a good so. point there for sure. So Daniel Mangden. Uh, Better report than I expected. I just didn't know what to expect. I got very little um, on this guy. I would, I would recommend watching. I mean, just the Raleigh, Raleigh fingers uh, mustache alone. It's just a, and also the quirky delivery. It's, it's, he's a fun guy. Excellent. So that's Daniel Mengden from Oakland. Um, you know, we're going to go ahead and cut it there. Actually, you know, you know what? I'll just get your quick thoughts on Michael Conforto because we were actually asked um, if it's time to cut him in a 10-team mixer. He's dealing with the yeah. injury. Um, what is it? Wasn't. Is it a wrist? Was it, so, yeah, he's got cartilage problem in the wrist. Yeah. So uh, they're saying they're not going to send him down. Having trouble adjusting to a lower fastball uh, percentage. Uh, wasn't really playing against lefties. I don't know, man. I say all those things. I still love him. I still love him. I definitely wouldn't drop him in 12. He still has a 904 OPS against righties. Yeah. He's like a really great fourth outfielder, I think. I mean, like bench outfielder. In any league, even a 10-team league, if you can just hold on to him, I would try. But um, Yeah, I have a hard time cutting a guy like that. I, but the one question I got was Leonis Martin for him. Oh, Martin. And, like, I think Martin could – I think, like, a conservative estimate for a full season Leonis Martin at this point is 260-16-25. I, I couldn't agree more. I was pegging him for that sort of deal. Last year, I was a year yeah, early, as right. I like to lament, but uh, so, I'm with So you. that would be, that's 260-41 combined. Uh, I don't think Conforto is getting anywhere close to 41 combined homers and steals. And uh, even if he does hit 280, that probably doesn't make up for all the difference. Nah, you'd so, have to hit like 320. Uh, yeah, I think if you're, if you're looking at something like that, and that is the sort of thing that people in 10 teamers look at, I think maybe you have to, you know, recalibrate and say, okay, right now, Conforto might be a 300 hitter with 25 to 30 home run power in his peak, but right now he's dealing with a wrist problem that we know could sap power. He's dealing with adjustment problems. He's dealing with platoon problems. He's probably more this year of like a 280-16 guy, you know, 280-18. How many homers do you have right now? 
He's got he's got nine in fifty six games, which is interesting because that's exactly what he had last year. Nine in fifty six games. For, well, I for mean, Conforto. you it's tempting. Like it's a quite, basically a quarter of the season. You cannot do that right now, especially with all those things. He's oh no 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 no! I wasn't suggesting that at all. Yeah, I just, yeah, yeah. No, the, no, no. The symmetry. That's of it more was than interesting. I thought. That's more than I thought. That's more than I thought. So, uh, so I think maybe right now with this injury, he'll finish the season around. Uh, 275, 280 with like 22 homers, 23 homers. That means you're going to get the worst part of that going forward. They, they said no DL stint, right? But They said no DL, no demotion right now. Oh, God, they brought up demotion? <laughs> I, well, I think it was brought up, and, okay. and so they maybe snuffed it out. That was the headline I read, no DL, no demotion. Uh, I, mean, no, I mean, he's still a good hitter, but... Wrist, wrist stuff can be can be bad too. That, that's, I don't know. That's the terrifying team. part. Oh my God, Tyon Walker. Do, 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 do. Ex, exit, exits with a right Achilles injury. Oh my God. <sighs> it just goes on and on and on. Yeah, yeah. It's almost like pitchers can't stay healthy. It's almost like <laughs> it's almost like it's difficult to stay healthy. Yeah, just uh, buy just buy skills, I guess. Mets haven't considered demotion with. Uh, with Conforto, that that's oh, good. Yeah, so basically they were asked and they said, nah, probably because who the hell would they turn to, right? Their offense is <laughs> bad enough. What are they gonna uh, do? You know, bring up Darren Siciliani. I don't even know if that guy's still in the room. Random demo. Yeah. So, all right. Uh, you know, we're gonna go ahead and wrap it there. I will see you in a couple of days, and that's oh, awesome yeah. to say. Yeah. Um, we might we're burn up. New York City down. Oh, <laughs> y'all. Keep your eye on the news because we're going to be on it and it's not going to be for good stuff. We're going to be going crazy in New York. Wait, 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 wait. Disclaimer. We are not going to burn New York City down. No, we're not going to do anything. Um, they won't put our sweet wiffle ball game on the news and we won't we won't be lit. At all. Well, actually, you know, it's going to be lit. It's just not going to be newsworthy lit. I'll, I'll, I'll cap it at that. But that Sabermetrics event, it should be leading the local news and probably the national news. Uh, Don't forget the meetup Saturday night. Meetup Saturday night. Eno on MLB Now on Thursday. Yes, Thursday? Yes, that's right. Thursday, Thursday, MLB Now. Check it. It's uh, 4 Eastern, I believe. Yeah, 3. Oh, oh, here's here's some breaking news. None of my suits are clean. No. (laughs) At least you have so much time to get them dry cleaned. Uh, Yeah, flights tomorrow in the morning. Yeah. Well, that sounds. Well, like you know, it's gonna look like a shlemiel on TV. Uh, and everyone will be paying attention to the hair anyway. It really doesn't matter what you wear. The hair is gonna be on point. Hair's yeah, A plus game right yeah. now. So, so don't don't even it. sweat it. It's a, it's gonna be all about the hair. <laughs> Hope you have a great time. I'll see you Friday afternoon sometime, and, uh, yep. and then we'll tear apart New York in, in a very right. positive, friendly way. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Bye.